Welcome to another edition of the Puro Pinche Primos. Hola, primo, primas. It's your primo, Luis Velasquez. That is your primo, Christopher Costello. We are the Puro Pincho Primos. Back for another episode. What's going on, Chris? Oh, primo, how you doing, man? How's everything going? Good, Excited, bro. excited for this show. Yeah, yeah. I'm excited for this show. We get to talk about our number one sport, right? The love of the game, football. I mean, we. I love basketball. I like baseball. I love MMA. But football is just on a whole nother level of love like it's like like kids in football like they're right like man some, some yeah that, that's just the kids in football you know that when, <laughs> when, right when the draft was about to start when the draft was about to start i was thinking about you and i was like oh that's right this is like christmas for him like yeah. he's just like can't wait um I, I know that you. It. I love it way too much. It's like unhealthy, and I'm realize that, right? Like it's so unhealthy, <laughs> and how much like I love the draft. It's so unhealthy, how much I love football and and the Titans in general. It is, but it it is what it is. I don't know. I can't. I'm I'm 40 ish, right? I can't change. Can't teach an old dog new tricks, right? It's just the way that I am. Like I'm the reason. That I believe my kids don't like football. I believe it. I believe it. I think that that's very true. I have to tell you this one story, right? This one story. My daughter came out, Ariana. She came out of her room, and she did something, and it was bad. I can't tell you what it was, right? But she did. I didn't know she did something bad. But it was in the middle of a Titans game, and we just (laughs) we just did a turnover, right? And we were getting beat, and I blew up, and I blew up at her, and then she just like. And then she gave me that look, and she looked at the at the TV. And she's like, "Oh, your team is losing. Okay, I'll go back to my room." <laughs> and I was like, "I called out. I had to go back in there. I was like, I'm sorry. I apologize. I probably took it out on you. Okay, what you did was still wrong, but it wasn't that wrong at the level that I took it. <laughs> that." That had to do with Ryan Tannehill, not you. Okay, that's 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 not your fault. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you can't you can't mess up on game day because I'm sure there's going to be plenty of times that it's bad timing in that way for to like get in trouble in the middle of a Titans game. Yeah, yeah. So we talking Titans, Chris, and I'm wondering. Me and you grew up, right, in a Dallas Cowboy dominated family, right? Like, yeah. Everybody, with Everyone. the exception of our Theo Louis, everybody else is a cowboy fan, right? And so, I was trying to think of how we became Oiler fans at the time, and I was wondering, what is your first memory of of becoming an Oiler fan? Yeah, you know, I, I don't know if this is even like really happened. I'm pretty sure it did, but I think we were sitting in the living room of our grandmother's house. And for whatever reason, the thing that I have stuck in my head is like an Oiler game in the snow against the Cleveland Browns. 
And I don't know why that's stuck in my head. I think it's stuck in my head because I think it's the moment that I was like, oh, this is the team that I'm going to root for. Yeah, like, yeah. this is my team now. Like, this is my own. And I think we were both really excited about it. I could be completely wrong. That might have been completely made up. But that moment for me is going to be what, like, lives as the moment that I became a Houston Oilers fan. But I, I think it was just regional TV coverage. The right. fact that, like, the Cowboy game wasn't on. Right. This is the the next closest team in, in you know, in our vicinity. But... Ultimately, the thing that did it for me was just that they used to sling the ball back then. And that was... The run and shoot. The run and shoot. That was the memory for me. What was it for you? What was your, like, first or earliest memories of, like, becoming an Oiler fan? So when I was was thinking about this, I kept going back to training camps, right? And the Oilers had their training camp in San Antonio. Yeah. When we were growing up, right? Trinity. And I, I remember, like, real quick, I always remembered me, you, and your mom going, right? Me, you, and your mom going. But then, as I'm thinking about it, I have a fake memory of that my dad took me to the first one. Yeah. And my dad didn't know, like, my dad did not like football. Like, he, it was not his thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he was a baseball have, guy. Yeah, he was a baseball guy and a boxing guy, right? Like, he didn't. That's that, right. Football was not his thing. Um but he saw me get into it, and he, you know, he's like, "Hey, let's go try it out. Let's go." Yeah. And I just remember going, and I, I didn't have them as a team yet, but going, yeah, there yeah, yeah. And then seeing you say the run and shoot, the warm moon. I think Lorenzo White was the running back then. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? And uh, I think that was my first memory. Also, like. That's awesome, man. Yeah, and just me, you, and your mom, right? Me and your mom would always go. Yeah, it was like scorching hot summers. Scorching hot summers, and we'd be there. Your mom was such a trooper, man, because we'd be there for the yeah, beginning, she was. beginning of practice yeah. to the end of practice to where we're signing, waiting like an hour to get autographs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember her her like moment that she remembers is is uh, getting Al Del Greco's sweatband. <laughs> she loved Al Del Greco <laughs> so much. <laughs> she did. I remember just being like, "What is this dude got a sweatband for? He's a kicker. He ain't doing nothing." I got. I don't. You remember Eddie George's rookie year, and I got his uh, his running back glove. A glove. I yeah, know. Yeah, and I stole it. Like he was giving it to somebody as some other kid, and I just jumped over to the other kid from behind and bam, took it. It was, <laughs> it was a great moment in my life. <laughs> I, re- I remember that because you had it like nailed to your wall in yeah. your room. Yeah. I just remember looking at it and being like, this man's hand is enormous. Like, how does he even make gloves this big? When I think about our fandom and the, the stuff that we've gone through as Oilers slash Titan fan, um, there's two in particular things that I, heartbreaking losses that still affect me to this day, right? Is the first one was as a little kid at home by myself playoff game versus the Buffalo Bills right I remember I remember this this exact I'm watching the I'm watching the game in my room my mom and dad are gonna go to the grocery store right and they come in and they're like hey do you want to go and I was like uh no like playoff game and we are just destroying the Buffalo Bills yeah, yeah. We are destroying Frank Reich and the Buffalo Bills. 
and then halftime <coughs> happens, and then the greatest comeback in NFL playoff history happens right in front of my eyes. I remember my parents coming back and them just looking at me and they're like, what happened? And I was like, don't talk to me right now. Mom and dad. Okay. And I, I mean, what? I think we, we had to be like 10. I was like 10 at this time. And I, I that was the first time like I had, I was so engulfed in it that I actually like gave a tone back to my parents for the first time. I like, don't talk to me right now. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah, my mom and my mom. You know, my mom was the one. She was like, "I'm gonna let that one slide." Uh, you know, I'll say this: this is very kind of your mom because oh, yeah. those do not get slid in any capacity in in the house. Yes, but but she knew. I mean, I'm I'm more than sure that she recognized the score when they left, and then was like, "Yeah, this kid's about to like crumble." <laughs> I'll tell you this. I'm two years younger than you, and I fucking crumbled. Uh, I fell apart. There's only two times in my childhood or life that I've cried because of sports, and that was the very first time. And I tell you what, I still remember it clearly enough that, like, as you were telling that story, I got increasingly sadder and sadder. So and I know this isn't on video yet, but like, you could see my shoulders drop and just like immediately get sad. So. Thanks for bringing up another trauma-filled moment in our lives. Well, do you have a moment in our other than that? Um, so based on that first one, I'll say this. Based on that first moment there, all playoff games, I try to not get too excited yes. until this last year. Um, we'll get talk about that later. Yeah, we can talk about that later. But... That one yard line uh, Super Bowl. One yard um, short. You know, this is the thing about it. I had already protected myself from it. Like I can't believe how like disconnected I was that year. Like that I wasn't even ex like ecstatic that they were in the Super Bowl. I was just kind of like, yeah, I can't believe it's happening. And like, all right. I think I'd also removed myself slowly from them once Warren Moon was gone. Uh -huh. I just didn't like their offense. Like that they ran so much. Although I loved Eddie George, but I'll say this. When your older cousin hits the ground and is like near sobbing <laughs> as like almost a full adults, that hurt me more than anything because I felt so bad for you. And I wanted to be in that moment. This is, and this is like how terrible sports is to the spirit when it's not going your way. I wanted to be like, this is why you can't get your hopes up. Like, this is why I'm not there with you. But I remember like just thinking like, yeah, this is what it does to us. And feeling so, I felt so bad for you. And I also like, this is really sad. I felt happy that I had not gotten my hopes up, which like that is, I think the moment I became an adult. Cause I was like, this is it. I'm done. I'm ruined. There's no like happiness or hope left for me. I think it's funny. I, I saw a meme. Was it last week or the week before? And it's like men really have trauma in their 40s about the sports teams that they pick when they were seven, eight years old. <laughs> and I was like, I didn't even think of it like that. And I was like, oh my God, that is so true. A decision that had to be made at the age of seven or eight to become Oiler Titan fans has affected us all the way till now. I tell you this. 
if the San Antonio Spurs never pick Tim Duncan, I might be a terrible human being. I might be a terrible person in the world if the Spurs are not as good as they, what they became. Yeah, we were uh, definitely uh, privileged NBA fans. Yes, yes. For 20, 20 years. And, uh, we were- I'm now realizing that I need to be much kinder to all of my... Uh, New York Knicks fans. Yes, and now like we're we're paying for it now for being privileged for that long, basketball fans. And here's the thing: we haven't received the uh, other side of it in the football. I mean, maybe we're paying our fandom for the Spurs. We're paying for it with our fandom for the Titans. That's that's a good way to look at it. We both know that's not true, but that's a good way to look at it. I, I like how you're trying to balance the scales. What are, are there any good moments that we had as Titans fans? Like, next question. <laughs> no, I'm joking. <laughs> um, yeah, I'll say this. You know, like we mentioned earlier in other other episodes of the Spurs, there were <laughs> actually now that I think about it, I'm not sure. Eddie George, I'll stick to Eddie George. Mm-hmm was probably the one true like class act guy that we had as like, oh, this is like a humble, hardworking, beast mode type of guy that mm-hmm. like teaches you how kind of how to like work hard for what you get and like win with grace. But um, you know, not that McNair and Warren Moon weren't those type of guys, because they were. Um and they probably had to be just as black quarterbacks, but um but they also had their dirt in their personal lives that we know that kind of tarnish their legacies in a certain way or at least for me they do you know because I, I i can't really separate the i don't separate artists from personal lives and i don't really separate athletes from personal lives um so you know yeah got you. yeah i think as far as things good things that I, uh, become being oilers and titans fan um, it has to be individual players right we haven't done anything as a team we made mm-hmm. it to the AFC Championship a couple years ago. That was an exciting moment uh, until we lost in the second half against Kansas City Chiefs. And then it became no longer mm-hmm. right? just another. It became another disappointment. Right? Uh, but the Derrick Henry play, the 99 yarder, yeah, yeah, is a big moment, right? The Eddie George stiff arm of Ray Lewis <laughs> through halfway down through the, you know through the earth yeah the big moments that I had um, <laughs> the run and shoot days that was fun right yeah we, it was we were the first ones going out there with four wide receivers no tight end and just slinging it with Warren Moon um, yeah I remember that was that year that they went they started one and four and they ended the season 12 and four I they went on 11 I'm gonna test, test your friend up. can you name the four wide receivers of that year of the, um, of the run and shoot of the run and shoot I might get some of those years like overlapping but um, I know for me because he was a pro bowler was like my guy Haywood Jeffries yes. was like the number one Ernest Givens Two. Um, I remember but I don't know if he was part of that core group but uh, Slaughter but I think he came in later yeah he came later um do you remember? Do you remember training camp? The one wide receiver that went around to everybody. Curtis Duncan. Curtis Duncan. Curtis Duncan. I loved Curtis Duncan. I loved him before that moment. Yeah. 
because he yeah. you could tell he's just like would do anything like whatever you asked him to and he, he always made like tough catches yeah like big moment catches he was definitely, he was he was definitely like, the fourth wide receiver of them right yeah who's the other one who's the third you've one you've got Ernest Givens you've got Hayward Jeffries you've got Curtis Duncan and I think the best one of them was uh, uh, Drew Hill yes I do remember him Drew Hill not the Cisco hey, Drew Hill <laughs> not D-R-U he did not have silver hair D-R-E-W Hill yeah the team is underrated as far as the offense yeah. their offense is underrated yeah, 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 it is. You know, I think, uh, uh, what is it? Uh, Warren Moon still holds the single season passing yards mark for the franchise, yeah. which I think is insane because that was, I think he set that mark in like 91. Well, after Warren Moon, like the team just in general decided to yeah. turn over and become a running team. And we have, yeah, it was a Fisher. Yeah, we haven't come back from that, right? Since. Where we have been a running team since then. Favorite player? I also say just shout out to those three monster Hall of Famer like beast Earl Campbell, yeah. uh, Eddie yeah. George, and now Derrick Henry. Derrick Henry, you can't leave CJ2K off of there. We are the best running back franchise ever. Okay. Yeah, we might be. No yeah. other. Fr- I'm, I'm serious. Like I don't think any other franchise has running backs like we've had all time running backs. Yeah, yeah, especially era to era, like yeah, like changing from one to the next. I mean, we had our Lorenzo White, Gary Brown, R.I.P. He just died a couple weeks ago. Lorenzo White, Gary Brown years, right? But then we yeah, Gary Brown had like two years there. That yeah, he was a monster. It was like whoa. Yeah. yeah, it's like we might do it with you. Yeah, but then we did. Could have been because we had Buddy Richardson as a quarterback. Chandler. Right, I remember that. Remember the Chandler years too? Those were really rough. Those are rough. Yeah. Steve McNair came in and saved us. Let's end this segment. Yeah, it's obvious. <laughs> it's getting depressing. <laughs> we got to get into this draft and the ways in which this played out because I think there was a lot of very huge surprises in this draft. So I'm gonna I'm gonna kick us off uh, with our first team. All right, on uh, on winners of the draft. Yeah. So the first team I want to start with is a team that I love to hate just because of the history that they have with us, but the Baltimore Ravens, right? Who I always feel have a really strong front office, strong culture that comes from the coach. Um, and then obviously they do have their centerpiece in Lamar Jackson. So for the Baltimore Ravens, what, what was the things that stood out to you in this draft? as far as what they selected and what they what they did to build up their team. All right, so I just, I kind of want to explain first on how I, I look at the draft when it comes up. I always look at the draft on what you need as a team and who you select and when you select them, right? So when you select them to me is really important because you have to know these players. You have to know what, how everybody else sees them, right? Baltimore Ravens first pick. Again, they're always, always going to be a defensive team, right? We talk about our team always being a running team. The Baltimore Ravens are always, always defense first, right? Absolutely. For them to get Kyle Hamilton with the 14th pick. Kyle Hamilton, to me, was the number one player in the draft. Now, nobody rates safeties 
that high as a need. And so, which is why he falls back, right? There's a lot of players. I mean, there's a lot of teams and a lot of uh, NFL experts that had Kyle Hamilton as a number one player, but they just, the position of safety is just not a high priority on teams. So that's why he, for him to fall to 14, I didn't think he was going to go outside the top 10. For him to fall down to 14 is killer for them, right? And then they back that up again with another, to me, the best interior offensive lineman in the draft, uh, Tyre Linderbaum out of Iowa, the center. It was also makes a bigger need for them. Um, They killed it in the first round, right? They killed it in the first round. Then they come back the next round, okay? Get David Ojabu from Michigan. So he goes from brother to brother, right? Mm-hmm. David Ojabu got hurt in team uh, team workouts, right? If he didn't get hurt, he's a top 15 draft pick. Okay. For them to get him in the second round is killer. To me, that's three first round pick. To me, that's three top 15 players in the draft that the Baltimore Ravens get. On top of that, I like the Travis Jones pick that they got. Uh, defensive tackle out of UConn. Uh, probably, to me, the most valuable pick besides Kyle Hamilton is their pick of uh, Daniel, and I'm going to mess his name up, Falele. Uh, offensive tackle, he's huge, bro. Like you, That's another thing that I, when I think of Baltimore Ravens, is big tackles along with their defense, right? Um, and Daniel Falele is huge. He is a monster of a man. He is their perfect fit. Baltimore Ravens, to me, absolutely kills it. Uh, so do you those three guys that you mentioned, right? The, the, the guys that you said, like the the first the the two first round picks and the second round pick, who you feel is like a first round pick. Yeah. Do you expect that all three of those guys are going to start for the Ravens at the beginning of the year? Absolutely. Kyle Hamilton and Linderbaum absolutely going to start. I don't know when Ojabo is going to be ready to. Uh, to come back off the injury. Um, I think towards, yeah. towards the end of the year, he's going to be a major factor. But by year two, I definitely see him as a starter um, for, for the Baltimore Ravens, no doubt. He's he's by year two, no doubt. Um, if not by the end of this year, depending on his injury, he will be a starter. Falele will be a starter also. For them to get gotcha. a, a, a starter that late in the draft is absolutely Yeah, exactly. Killer. The Baltimore Ravens, are always, they always kill the draft. It, it kind of makes me mad. But they're always so good at this. And every year, they're going to be on your list for winners of the draft. Yeah, they, they always are. They're always like, it seems like their their scouting is always like at the top of like the, the franchises in the league and always putting guys in position. And I always feel like they never draft guys that you're like oh this is like a superstar threat or whatever they always pick the right guy to put in the right place and all of a sudden they're just really good and you're like wait how did this happen and it's because they picked all the right pieces to fit what they need yeah they never overextend like teams do they never yeah. they always stay in their lane they know who they are the team mm-hmm. right? yeah I great way of putting it let's just say so they traded uh hollywood brown right Mm-hmm. They traded away Hollywood Brown. They didn't really pick anything up in his place. They got a couple of tight ends in the in the draft, um, but I think that's good because where they were at, there weren't really uh, wide receivers, you know, worth that pick, right? So they didn't overextend, you know, like teams that we're going to talk about later as far as losers of trying to reach out to get. Yeah. They just stayed where they were. If we get one, we get one. If not, 
we know who we are, right? Yeah. So they still need to figure out what they're going to do at wide receiver, right? Right now, their number one wide receiver is uh, Devin mm-hmm. Duvernay. Shout out UT. Yeah. But um, they still need to figure Might that out. Might be the only shout out to UT. I'm going to move us on to the next. <laughs> we'll, we'll talk about them later too. But um, one team that... Oh, oh, last thing that I'll say about the Baltimore Ravens, and this is just more of a shout out to someone that I know who's probably going to listen to this, who's in our fantasy league, Zaquan. Zaquan. Ray Lewis still killed the guy. It's, it's some things you can cover up, and then it's some things you can't. So now to the <laughs> New York Jets. They were not very Jet-like and actually had an incredibly successful draft. Um, hit them off with the three big guys that they got. Yeah, so absolutely, New York Jets. You have New York Jets fans. You have to feel excited. Sauce Gardner was the number one cornerback in this draft. Garrett Wilson, wide receiver at Ohio State, was the number one receiver in this draft. They trade up towards the end of the round for some reason, and I can't figure out why Jermaine Johnson, the edge out of Florida State, drops so bad. And they trade up to get him, who I think was the second best edge in this draft. So you got Sauce Gardner, you got Garrett Wilson, you got Jermaine Johnson. Those three guys, starters automatic automatic put them in their starting lineup right now and then they come up later on in the draft and they get the best running back in the draft with Bryce Hall the running back out of Ohio State they just killed it they killed there's they're right up there with Baltimore in this draft as far as being the biggest winners um it's very unjet like but mm-hmm, absolutely very unjet like I, I I feel kind of you know happy for our friends who are big Jets fans mm-hmm. who probably yes, have, yes. they have worse memories than, than we do. Absolutely. Yeah, the misery that Jet fans go through, I, I do feel for them every year. It's always about like week four, week five, when I see that look on their face of like they realize like, oh it's yeah, we're not making playoffs yeah. again. Yeah, yeah. And, and I just, I feel bad. Like I'm, you know, not even as a sports fan, just like as a human being, I'm like, oh, like. So I think this year, Jet fans, you can look like maybe week eight, week nine, you're going to realize it's over, okay? Instead of week three and four. So congratulations. Just take the little victories. To our last squad, which I hate to think that this team is having any more success anywhere, but the Kansas City Chiefs were on your list of, of big winners. What, what was the thing that stood out to you about their draft? They knew what they needed and they let it come to them, right? Uh, they needed a cornerback, and for some reason, Trent McDuffie. Trent McDuffie was the third cornerback rated in this draft. You have Sauce, you have Singletary that went to the uh, Texans, and Trent McDuffie. He shouldn't have been there. He fell to them. They gobbled on him up real quick. Um, George Carlotta, the edge, he's going to be decent. I. He, that's not a great pick, it's, but it's a really good pick, right? He's not going to be a starter, I don't think Karloftis is, but he's going to be definitely in, in the mix of things. You know, he'll probably get 20, 20 to 25 snaps a game. Uh, I really, I really like the Sky Moore pick. They need a receiver. They're going to have to figure out how to do things without Hill. Sky Moore is that little slot receiver uh, that you want probably the number one slot receiver in in the draft right um he was different they, they just again they're just another organization that gets it we know who we are we know what we need 
let's not stray from that. Let's not reach. Let's not let's just get these guys that we know uh, can be Kansas City Chiefs. So I want to move to these the losers on on the draft day let's list. Do it. I'm ready. So back into the AFC East, the New England Patriots, Boo. who for all of his genius, right, or what they what people will call genius in Bill Belichick. Um, we had a very interesting moment where you had um, Sean McVay kind of essentially <laughs> laughing at their first round pick. Um, what, what was your take on that pick for the Patriots? So, Cole Strange, the offensive guard from Tennessee Chattanooga. Yes, Cole Strange. He deserves to be laughed at, okay? Bill Belichick deserved to be left at. When McVay said that they were looking at him for the 104th pick, they weren't kidding. That is that is where he should go, right? I, I, to me personally, I thought Cole Strange was a third-round pick, right? And here's the thing, like, again, how I, how I look at these draft picks is where you can get him. Cole Strange can start for the New England Patriots, right? He can start for them. They're... They have a gap there. They lost Shaq Mason or Shaq, Shaq Mason. I think that's the name. Cole Strange can take that spot, but you could have got him. You had a 50th pick in the second. If you're going to reach for Cole Strange, the 50th pick in the second round is where you want to reach all the way to the first round. You, they also need cornerback. And we just got done talking about the Kansas City Chiefs and Trent McDuffie. You know who picked Cole Strange before? They picked Cole Strange before Trent McDuffie. Okay, Trent McDuffie was the third best cornerback in the league. You could have got Trent McDuffie and then Cole Strange, and then maybe we're putting you in the winner block. Okay, they also got Tyquan Thornton, wide receiver from Baylor in the second round. Another third to fourth round pick. Okay, Tyquan, there was, uh, there's so much like. I don't know what they're doing over there in New England when it comes to drafting. I think that they just have a wheel. Maybe they have their own wheel of chingadera. It, it sounds like it because it looks like it's going to be a lot of chingaderas for them based they on the draft. They picked Billy Zape, quarterback, Western Kentucky. Sam Howell was still out there. Sam Howell can start in the league. If you win a little quarterback competition, you still have Sam Howell out there. But no, you picked Billy Zappy, Zappy from whatever his name is from Western Kentucky. I'm sorry, I didn't, I didn't scout Billy Zappy from quarterback <laughs> from Western Kentucky, New England Patriots. Like you're really, you're this close to being top out of the week. Like you're just, you're, you're so close. But it was just horrible. I'm sorry, that was a little rant. So one thing about the draft that was, I think, pretty shocking and it's been coming out is actually not something that's about an organization or the NFL even itself, but it's more about one of the most story and historic college football programs in the nation. Is it? Which is your University of Texas Longhorns. And the fact that, how many players get drafted in the draft? Uh, The same amount of uh, players in our family that got drafted. Okay, into the NFL, UTSA. They got two guys that got drafted. Shout out to UTSA Roadrunners. There is a uh, on the rise. Yes, there is a team out there called Meet Me Owachita Baptist. 
they had a player drafted. Yale had a player drafted. Lenore Ryan had a player drafted. Northwest Missouri State, they had a player drafted. Am I also incorrect to say that Deion Sanders got one of his players drafted in HBCU? Yeah, there's two. Right, Jackson State? Yeah, there's two. Shout out to Jackson State. Two HBCUs that got players drafted. Ooh. Um, And UT got zero drafted. Zero UT. And it doesn't surprise me. It doesn't. We have been trash. We have been trash for so long. Uh, I just wanted to hear you say so it. I'm, I'm going to take you out of your misery. We're done talking about UT because I can see the look in your eye. You're ready to go nuts. So we're, we're going to stop there. I just wanted to make sure that you went through at least like a 30 second torture chamber first <laughs> for really quick for my own entertainment pleasure. Um, but the real official bombshell story of this draft, I think, which was, I'll say this. Going into it, you were like, the big thing to me is going to be trades. Trades, 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 trades. And there's going to be teams that do some crazy shit. And there's going to be some crazy trades that happen. And during the draft, while we were on the phone together, what happens? Uh, Meltdown happened. Okay. And I just want to say, I said two things. I said two things. I said the story of this draft is going to be trades and then I said the quarterbacks there's not going to be one picked until the 20th pick I said that you remember I said that you did say that yeah not you a did quarterback picked until the 20th pick I'm just gonna yep pop my collar on that one anyways it's funny we got on zoom right as that pick happened right and I'm over there and we're I'm editing the show and uh I was like man and I just I look up I don't have the sound on on the draft and I look up and I see, oh man, Titans came in. They traded up. And I'm still not knowing what, what happened. And then I see you, your face on the Zoom. And you're like, what just happened? Oh my God, what just happened? I'm like, no, we just traded up. I don't know what we did. Like, I, we're probably going to go get a tackle or something. And uh, you're like, huh. and you, you were freaking out. And I was not freaking out yet, right? Because I did not see it. I did not see it. And then you tell, then I look up. I was like, AJ Brown? We traded AJ in one trade. We became a Super Bowl ho- hopeful to rebuilding for mm-hmm. some reason. And we talked about the history of the Tennessee Titans and our and our fandom, right? We have never in the history of our franchise had a number one wide receiver. We've mm-hmm. had a lot of good ones. We talk about Haywood Jeffries and Curtis Duncan, and you got to put Derek Mason in there. You got to put Kevin Dyson in there. Any of those, anybody who's not an Oilers Titan fan know what those names are? No. <laughs> okay. No, they don't. We finally had that dude. A.J. Brown has been with us and played with us for three years. He is already 14th on the all-time list of receiving. In three oh years. God. He is 16th all-time in receiving touchdowns. In three years in the history of our franchise, he's done that. Two more years, he was going to be in the top of that list, no doubt. And we draft Traylon Burks, who Traylon Burks, to his credit, he's, I, I like Traylon Burks. His comparison was A.J. Brown. His ceiling, <laughs> right? 
Like, if we can get everything out of Traylon Burks, he can be A.J. Brown. We already had A.J. Brown. We already had a... Why do... You yeah. already got an A.J. Brown. We don't want a guy that maybe can be A.J. Brown. You have A.J. Brown. Pay the money. And the, and the facts are coming out. According to A.J. Brown, they offered him $16 million with incentives that would have got him to $20 million. It's disrespectful in so many ways. He should have left. And he should have left. He should have wanted that trade after that number. Right? He says he would have signed with us for 22. He signs with them for 25. He gets 57 million guaranteed. Yeah. I mean, to me, he's worth the 25. And and what you're saying is that I agree with you in the sense that, like, we already know who he is and what he is. He's already beyond what they would have thought but he's also like lived up to the hype when it came out of drafting him yeah you don't turn your back on a guy like that and i I think also i I, i'm actually now after the initial shock of it more concerned about how that hurts the locker room because he's such a rah-rah guy and you can't put a price on that for a guy in the nfl because there's plenty of nfl guys that are like Debbie Downers and like needed to be about them and we'll just like shut people out. So to have a guy like, like he to me is the reason we got Julio Jones, right? Like him hype mode going after it and like hyping the team and really being about like wanting to make the franchise better. Tannehill to me is one of the biggest losers in this draft weekend. Okay. Not only did we lose AJ Brown, the number one wide receiver, yeah. right? But oh, look in the third round. What are we doing? There is your replacement, buddy. Malik Willis is coming for your job. And you can say it is not your job to mentor him. That is fine. You don't need to because this is your last year. Anyway, going back, let's go, let's go back to, to this trade. Traylon Burks is a good pick. He's a good player. He's gonna be a good player for us. But he has the added pressure of being the dude that has to be A.J. Brown. Yeah. Because if he's not A.J. Brown now, he's a bust. That's just it. If he's not as as good, I'm not asking him to be better than A.J. Brown. If he's just not as good as A.J. Brown, he's going to be a bust. And And he has that pressure on him. Yeah. And there's already legitimate ballers out there in the league that will never be A.J. Brown. Yeah. Absolutely. Christian Kirk will never be AJ Brown. Right? And that dude is already one of the This is your fault, Christian Kirk. This is your fault again. So we're gonna we're gonna close out this segment and move on to uh to our next segment. One of our favorite segments each week. Shout out to all the Latinos out there that are listening, um, all of our Latinx fans and everybody beyond. But our next segment, Grito of the week yeah grito week it's definitely time to cheer things up had that little therapy session right vented a little bit (laughs) it's time to cheer up and what i want to talk about and i've got lots of gritos here proudly have lots of gritos we just talked about the nfl draft we have to give a shout out to all of our latinos who got drafted into the nfl there's not a lot of us if you've heard a couple episodes earlier we've talked about our representation in the nfl and we've got the first pick for the new orleans saints chris olavi wide receiver thank you sir for your representation of the latino community we also have the 
hunt god, Matareza Hunter. He got drafted to the Buffalo Bills. He's going to be an exciting. That's crazy for me to say for a punter. But having an exciting punter in the mix right now, Matareza, appreciate you. Thank you for, for representing our Latino community. We have, bro, we got Tariq Castro Field, cornerback. Got drafted by the 49ers. Crazy that we have a cornerback that's Latin. To me, that's, that's almost unheard of. We're either usually offensive linemen or safeties, okay? I've just named off a wide receiver, a punter, a cornerback. Matt Corral, quarterback, is Latino. He got drafted to Carolina. And like I said earlier in this podcast, he has a good chance of starting this year, I believe. I believe. To me, it would be... He's going to take that job. Yeah, it was between him and Malik Willis as possibly the best uh, quarterback in the draft. I'm excited to see Matt Corral... Winning, winning the job in, in Carolina. Bro, primo. It gets no more Latino than this next name right here, okay? Drafted to the Kansas City Chiefs, running back, Isaiah Pacheco. Isaiah Pacheco. There's a Pacheco in the NFL. There's a Pacheco in the NFL. Hopefully he stays on the team. I am definitely rooting for you. We are fans of yours. Isaiah Pacheco. And then you can't. We have to go. We got to get one of the Ezes in there, right? There's got to be a Vasquez, a Velasquez, a Sanchez. We got Malcolm Rodriguez, inside linebacker. Got drafted by the Detroit Lions. Again, shout out. Grito. To our primos who got drafted into the NFL this weekend. Okay, okay, okay. It is time for the segment. Yes, that's right. This segment is the The Wheel of Chingadera. Oh, yeah. It's the Wheel of Chingadera coming at you. I'm going to go ahead and spin this right now, primo, and see what's the first topic we get to talk about. with our NFL theme, DeAndre Hopkins. First one on the board. Oh, that's a good one. That's a good one. So for anybody who doesn't know, DeAndre Hopkins received a six-game suspension to start the season for testing positive for PEDs, which is short for performance enhancement drugs. Is that what that stands for? The crazy thing about DeAndre Hopkins is that I believe, I, I know this, I feel like this name has come up more than anybody in all our shows is Christian Kirk. But DeAndre Hopkins, I believe, is still the number one highest paid wide receiver in the game and has a really strong argument to be so because he has the stickiest hands I think I've ever seen yeah. on a wide receiver. Like anything near him, he grabs out of the air. I saw him make a play. The nastiest catch I've ever seen him play was like on a, like they, they called off the player. It was like an incomplete pass, but he caught it like between his legs. Yeah. And it, it was just amazing. But anyways, DeAndre Hopkins now for the Arizona Cardinals, the thing that, that, points, that, that, that really like stands out to me about this is how do you not know? Because he's claiming that he was confused and shocked to find this out, right? Now... 
how do you not know what's going into your body, first of all, right? And yeah, and how do you, as a professional athlete who is has to be in prime shape, not know every single thing that you've consumed? I'm gonna give him the benefit of the doubt, right? And say, he didn't know. You tell me, Primo, how does something like this happen if the guy really doesn't know? I'm gonna tell you, Primo, and I'm glad you're giving him the benefit of the doubt because I'm not giving him the benefit of the doubt, okay? And let me tell you why I'm not giving... First off, I just want to give respect <laughs> to DeAndre Hopkins, right? Before this year, before the injury this year, he, out of 128 games in his career, he started in 126 of them. Before this year and the injury happened this year, oh, yeah. he only missed two games. And like you said, if the ball is his way, coming his way, he is not dropping it. He's got the best hands in the league. So with all that being said, I am going to call BS on DeAndre Hopkins. And I'm, I'm going to kind of break down this little statement that he had, right? First off, he says, in my 10-year NFL career, I have never tested positive for using performance-enhancing drugs. Wouldn't you say in my 10-year NFL career, I've never taken performance-enhancing drugs? Not that I've never tested positive. But that I've never taken PEDs. Just something to think about, right? He says, again, like you said, I'm very mindful of everything that goes in my body, which is why I don't know if you remember, Primo, but when the NFL came out with the, uh, you have to get the vaccine, he made a couple comments on Twitter about the vaccine and not taking it because you don't know what's in the vaccine. Hmm. Yeah. Interesting, DeAndre Hopkins. Which, which actually I think works in his favor, right? Because if he's like, yo, no way am I taking that vaccine, could be why he's like, I don't know how this is happening because I don't put foreign substances into my body. No, no. no. If, if you did not take PEDs and you got suspended, would you not appeal it? Would you not appeal? There's no way. Like you said, I know everything that goes in my body. There's no way PEDs go into my body. Did he appeal it? No, he didn't appeal it. Take your seven games. And look, and here's the thing. Here's the thing. I don't even, I don't care that these players take PEDs. A lot of these players, and him included, are probably taking these PEDs to get over an injury. Yeah, I don't mind. I don't give a shit. Like, I don't think, like, if he's taking it for injury as opposed, he's not taking it to get bigger, right? He's not, it's not steroids for him to get bulked up and so I can hit somebody. No, he's taking it for an injury. It's obvious, right? I can see that. Mm -hmm. I don't care. Like, I take it. But, I mean, if you took it, took it. Bam. All right, my bad. I'll see you guys seven games. But neither here or there. It's time for the next subject on the Wheel of Chingadera. We got to talk Miami versus Philadelphia. If you want to call that a series right now, it is not a series right now. <laughs> As we're recording this, there Miami is up 2-0. to zero. Philadelphia is trash. And do you know why they're trash, Chris? Primo? Do you know why they're trash? I'm going to tell you why they're trash. And I don't know. Tell them. I don't know if tell you've them. heard me say this before in other episodes. But they're trash because James Harden is trash. 
especially in the playoffs. Like I said before, this is the James Harden that you're going to get every playoffs. I don't know why he gets so much hype. Why is he on the top 75 list? I don't know. He doesn't belong on that list. Manny Ginobili should be on that list instead of James Harden. Anyways, Harden is not doing anything for you guys. Okay. <laughs> Doc Rivers, this is your fault. Okay. For leaving Embiid in on the final game when you're up by 30. And you have him in there. For what reason? Nobody knows. Get out of here, Philly. Like, I, I don't, like, I'm, I'm done. I'm done with Philly. Like, I'm it's, done it's with because he's scared of them comebacks. He's trauma. That was a trauma response. That that what that was? Well, I'm, I wonder what this trauma response is going to be now. Right? When you're up by 30 and, you're, and your MVP gets hurt and you can't play for the first three games. Well... You know, Miami is strong, and I think that not having Embiid is a problem. What they, what we are now all figuring out is Tyrese Maxey is the real deal. He's doing this night in, night out. He is your future. And I think the bigger question I'm already looking at, like as a Phillies in the offseason, what does Philly do with Tobias Harris? Because if anybody... If we're looking at money, if anybody is underachieving, it's Tobias Harris. And they need to figure out what they're going to do going forward with that contract and with him because he's still got two years left on that deal. And they're not going to get any better by keeping his contract and not adding anybody else who's meaningful to that roster. Miami's a complete team. They're going to dismantle this guy. I don't care. Even when Embiid comes back, like, it's not. Maybe they'll get a game, I think. Maybe they'll get a game, but Miami can beat you with Bam. They can beat you with Butler. They can beat you with Hero, right? All three of them will score about 20-something points every night. They're a complete team. This series is over. Let's move on to the next subject in the Willington I In it. Wow, let's go to the Western Conference. Dallas and Phoenix. Dallas and Phoenix, to me, is a lot like Philly and Miami. Like, that one's over. What you're going to get is Luka balling out. You think this one's automatically over? Yeah, Luka's going to ball out, but it's not going to be enough. Again, Philly is a complete team. They can beat you with so many different ways. So many. It's just not. It's over. Again, Dallas may get one when they get back home. Maybe. And then that's about it. It's going to be over. You know, over the course of a series, I think if Dallas can steal a game, like if they can steal this game too, it's happening tonight. I think they have a chance. And and the only reason I say that is because they're bringing Booker back from an injury, right? Yeah. And it's never good that I come back. It, you just don't want that, right? It's just not... It's not moving things in the right direction. It doesn't give you security, right? Like the way it does when your star is just like balling through series. Because games are going to be tough enough, let alone playing on something that's hurt. My other concern for them is with him, and I'm talking about Devin Booker, you know, maybe not being as reliable as you would hope. how, How much pressure does that put on CP3's old body? Yeah, I mean, I can see where you're coming from. I just don't see it. even if even if Buck, Booker or CP3, especially if CP3 were to go down in the series, like they still Dallas just doesn't have enough. 
they don't. They, they're all Luca all the time, and they need something else. And they just don't have it. They're lucky to be here. I wish the Spurs were here. So no shade on Dallas at all. <laughs> they're I don't to like be them, here. but they don't belong. They don't belong in the same room as Phoenix, and they're going. All right, let's move on. Next series, let's go. Oh, yeah, Primo, it's landed on it back on the Eastern Conference. We've got the Boston Celtics and the Milwaukee Bucks. Currently, right now, as we're recording this, it is tied one-to-one. First game, it was all Milwaukee all the time, all Giannis all the time. Second game was all Boston all the time, all Tatum all the time. Both Both teams balled out in those games, okay? I'm, I'm looking forward to when it, this thing goes back to Milwaukee. See if we, maybe we can get a closer game. But I think this game is going to go six to seven games. Like, this is going to be a tough series. Hopefully, the games are actually closer. But I think the series is going to go like this back and forth. Yeah, I think uh, it seems like Boston's road seems like the toughest in, in these rounds. But it also seems like they're all the best series, right? Like, they're just like... Like, I feel like in, even in this round, whoever makes it out of this round, I think is going to make it to the, the finals. Yeah. You know, that's if everybody stays healthy on both sides, on both rosters. But, you know, they're playing such difficult paths because the East is so tough now that whoever makes it out of this series, and if Miami can, like, sweep or be out in five... Miami might rough them up and neither of these teams will reach the finals just because of the path they've been on. Um, and I, right now I, I think about like who can come out of this. And I just think it's Boston because they have everybody where I still feel like Milwaukee is going to need Middleton in those tough games. Like you're saying deep in the series, like five, six, game seven, all those you're going to need somebody like Middleton. But if I got to pick the, the team with the one guy, like Giannis is the one to me that, like, I don't think Giannis is going to have poor performances. Like, he's going to turn it up. Yeah, and I think we're going to see some really crazy basketball. Yeah, look, I think I think a couple of things is happening in this series. Uh, as I wrap this this series up real quick, is Giannis is like, hey, hello, guys, I'm still here. Right? He had a horrible first half in his last game. Right? <laughs> he had a horrible first. I think he had two or four points. And then he winded, ended up with 28 points. Right, in a blowout loss, right? Like you said, he says, hey guys, remember me? I'm the reigning MVP, okay? Remember me? I'm the reigning NBA champ. You got to go through it. What I also think happened in the first game is Boston had a kind of like a hangover from the first series. It was like, it wasn't tough, but there's so much emotion behind it. There was so much drama behind it. I think they... They were still in that mode of playing Brooklyn, and then they were like, oh, that's right. We're in the playoffs with real teams. My bad. We have to make adjustments. We have to do this kind of stuff. That's right. We didn't have to do any of that in the first round. And so they woke up in the second round. They're like, okay, I remember. We're in the NBA playoffs. One more spin left in us for the Willa Chingadera. Oh, this series right here. 
this series right here. I don't know how much you've got to actually watch some of these games since you're over there on the East Coast time. But over here on the West Coast, these games are still going on at 8 o'clock in the evening, and I appreciate that very much. But these games... The, Thanks for rubbing that in. Thanks for rubbing that Warriors in. Warriors and Memphis it is so exciting. This is what basketball is about to me. Back and forth, up and down the court. Bro, John Morant, and I said this, and I, I, I don't want, you know, maybe I'm patting myself on the back a little bit, but I told you, I told you before these playoffs started that John Morant was going to come out of these playoffs and be a top five player at the end of these playoffs. And I think there's no doubt in anybody's mind to me that John Morant not a top five player in the NBA after these playoffs. Whether they win this round or not, which I don't think they are, but he is balling out of control. You can't do anything. When that dude jumps, you can't do nothing about it. Get out of the way. <laughs> it is great basketball. That's all I really say. Like this, I hope this ain't go seven. I hope it goes seven and then double, triple overtime in game seven. Like it is just exciting. And I'm exhausted just watching this game. Yeah, the the John Morant thing, I'm I'm like stuck in between whether this is like a coming out party or um, like a building block moment for him because I feel like the last game he had 47, and it's whether or not he can keep hitting 30 plus because we haven't been seeing that. Although he's putting together really good games, but can he consistently like bring it in that? in that way of scoring that like you just automatically know what you're going to get from him. And I think this game could be the like springboard to like him doing that. Or we could see him just like that. These are these spurts and this is just what it takes to finally get there. Cause I feel like we saw this out of like uh, Steph Curry and Clay Thompson when they were like at John Morant's age and stage in their careers was, and they're probably even later cause John Morant is still so young where they were the ones like having these crazy like 40 point games but then you know they would come back down to earth after that ultimately to me golden state is the favorite i think that they're going to be the ones that they get out of here but i think it's really like special basketball that we're seeing like a changing of the guard almost but it's almost like still two eras that are too close to each other with like steph curry and john moran and i thought there was like a really great moment at the end of that game where it's almost like John Moran's talking shit, right? Like, like, you know, like strutting in front of Steph Curry. Yeah, he is. And they gave each other like a low five on the way out, right? Like that shit is dope yeah. sports. Cause you know that they like, they're gonna go at it. They're gonna like dive, they're gonna go nuts, but they respect how great each other is. And I think that that's always like when you get the best out of like watching sports. I love it. So again, that wraps up the Willa Chingandera. NBA Playoff Edition. All right, all right. Now we got to move on. It is time for the Tapao of the Week. The Tapao of the Week has to be a person who obviously did not listen to our episode last week, Primo. There's no way this guy listened to our episode last week when we talked about fans and we talked about being responsible and what you should and shouldn't do as a fan. This fan got up. And attacked Dave Chappelle, attacked Dave Chappelle on stage, tackled him down, had a knife hidden in his gun, fake gun. Like I just want to, I just want to think of that right there, right? He was like, "Hmm, I got a, I got a knife. How do I hide this knife?" 
let me hide this knife inside a gun. That's all. That's you know also shouldn't be on me, right? This is this was the thought process. By it this. does sound very L.A. Yeah, that, exactly true. Exactly <laughs> because when this dude got on stage, tackled Dave Chappelle, took off running, and in the words of Dave Chappelle, he got stomped. Yeah. <laughs> Who knew that Dave Chappelle had a goon squad with him? Oh, for real. For real. And yet, I'm not surprised. No, I'm not surprised either. Like that. One of those guys, one of those guys that was supposed to have done that was Busta Rhymes. Oh, yes, right. And apparently, Chappelle and Busta Rhymes are going on a tour together soon, which will be very interesting. I don't know if you saw, bro. I don't know if you saw this, Primo. This dude had two separated arms. Like, how is that? <laughs> I saw a video of him getting onto the stretcher, and his arm, like, did a 180. It actually made me feel bad for this. Like, oh, man, that hurts. His face looked like like Martin did in that one episode where he was boxing Hearns. I don't remember that episode way back <laughs> in the day when he was boxing Tommy yeah. Hearns, and his face was flat. That's exactly what his face looked He definitely got stomped. <laughs> Which is why you deserve top out of the week. Yeah, I feel like they did to him what they did to Rick James in that episode when he visits Eddie Murphy's house. <laughs> when he does the, the fuck your couch. Fuck your couch. <laughs> and then they stomp him out. Yeah. <laughs> and he has to crawl out of there. That's what they did to this guy. So listen, you're... And, and much... Much deserved by that man. Yeah, but I mean, you go out there, you're going to attack Dave Chappelle. You're attacking the money of so many people in the back. You got stomped on. Mm-hmm. And then I don't know if you saw Chris Rock also came out and he's like, was that Will Smith? Did you catch that part? Yes. Perfect. <laughs> perfect. Right? Like, isn't that like more than anything else? I felt like when, like when I saw that was like Chris Rock deserved that moment. He deserved that joke <laughs> yes, right did. there. I'm like so that right there. Kind of brings it all back. I'm proud of him for having that joke. So, definitely, definitely, like I said earlier, did not listen to our episode last week. We would, If he would have listened to our episode last week, he could have avoided the stomping that he got. Right? So, he gets up out of the week. We, we gave very sound advice. We did. He should have t- He should have listened. Somebody, if somebody knows that man out there, please send him the link to our episode. He can get really sound advice from us. The Puro Pinche Primos. One person who did, Chris, I don't know. One person who did listen to our episode last week was a Tampa Bay Ray fan the other night who caught a home run and immediately gave it to the New York Yankee fan. The oh, kid. Toronto Blue Jays. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, Toronto Blue Jays. And he, he gave it to the uh, New York Yankee fan and that, new, that kid was crying. I watched it. I was holding back a little bit of tears, a little bit dusty. I was like, that's what it's all about. The children. The, the children, children, everyone. The children. That kid was so emotional. And then they got to meet... Uh, Aaron Judge. Aaron Judge. Yeah, they got to meet Aaron Judge the next day. And that kid was crying again. Like, it was just a wonderful moment. All because that guy listened to our show, right? So you're welcome, everybody. <laughs> he obviously listened to our show, took the advice of how to be a fan yeah, sh- shout out to Canadians for knowing what's the right thing to do in those moments and for kind of like always being a little bit better and kinder and more well-mannered than most American fans and just people in general. Just but people in general. that man, if you see that clip, look that up. 
because whether that man knew that kid was there or not, it was instantaneous. Like he knew what to do immediately and gave that ball over to that kid. And I would think that as a Yankee fan, and we've talked about Yankee fans, and and knowing that you are obnoxious and seen as obnoxious all over the world, the fact that that the father of that kid was able to view that moment with this stranger and be able to be like, yeah, like I'm, I, I hope that he goes back to Yankee Stadium or wherever he's from and reminds people like, of how to be a little bit better after that moment. Because Yankee fans suck. Hopefully, again, again, Once again, if you got if you guys out there know fans out there who act a fool, go ahead and send them the link to our episode last week, and we'll help out the world. Right? We'll just help out all fans across the country on just how to be better. Okay. So, wrapping up, top out of the week, the guy who attacked Dave Chappelle. Not the top out of the week was a Blue Jay fan, okay? That's how you do it. That's how you learn from the Puro Pinche Primos. Well, that wraps up this week's show. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Y'all make sure to like, comment, or review today's episode. You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. That's Puro Pinche Primos. You can find us on all major podcast platforms. Or Google Puro Pinche Primos for our website on Captivate FM. We are the Puro Pinche Primos. Peace. Peace.